0: Welcome to Sickcast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.
1: I want to begin by asking you, what can one individual achieve? How can a single person's actions have huge implications on the world around them? I'm sure you can think of world leaders, right? Those that are in a position where they get to make those decisions that fundamentally change our way of life around us. Today we have politicians surrounded by politicians that collectively work together, or not, to architect the changes that we see. It's not that the individual doesn't play a factor, it's that many individuals do. But there was a time when it wasn't so complex, and in fact, one individual could make huge changes. They could do things that would make life, objectively speaking, a lot better for those around them, to turn a wheel of progress for better living standards and so on. But there are also those that could inflict a lot of human misery with just a simple order of or command. Today, we're gonna to be discussing those individuals. And there's one in particular that I wanna share with you. His name was Sultan Al-Kam Sardar Justice Singh Alawalia. You're listening to a special episode on the Sikh Cast of Sikh History, and I'll be your host today, Sean Holden. Sardar Justice Singh Alawalia is looked upon as a hero in history and one of the early precursors that helped establish the Sikh Empire. But I also believe that many of the principles and skills he developed during his life are ones we could observe today and take a grain of wisdom from and carry forward in our day-to-day lives. Now, I will not be doing most of the talking today. Instead, I've brought in a sort of expert on Justice Singh Alawalia's life. Thanks for uh, joining me, Pritpal, uh, for um, another session of uh, Sikh history. Uh, thank you, Sean, it's great to be back with you. Pritpal Singh joins me and opens us up with the importance our uh, central character has had as a historical figure. And he'll also set the stage of the period of time we'll be going through and how it relates to this particular period of Sikh history. what does his uh, or why does his name hold such importance within Sikh culture in your opinion
0: because he came up in this world with nothing um uh, he had absolutely nothing but because his mother has had the insight of that even when you have nothing you are not going to resort to doing the wrong thing in life so from day one he had He had such great principles that uh, he was he had integrated into his lifestyle. I mean, the guy could do no wrong. I mean, there there are examples where he took losses on the personal end to keep the community together. And that's uh, probably the biggest reason why Sikhs hold him in such uh, with such devotion. And because of that, he's called Guru Kalal that uh, that uh, you know perfection's beloved it's difficult to be number 1 and when you're being hunted down it's difficult to survive but once you have survived and then you have you have actually political power you know power tends to corrupt and this is a time everybody wants piece of his their pie but this guy he he took a smaller portion of his pie and he gave it to others uh, because he 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 had, he had a he had a higher uh ideals that's why i think six were hold them in a very very uh, close to their hearts
1: So let's get into a little bit of the setting of this time. Um, what's going on in the world at this time, uh, in uh, Punjab, in India, and in, you know, just around the globe in general, so people can have a frame of
0: reference. So this is the early 18th century, you know, Europe has basically conquered the world or they're in the process, um, uh, going east and west, they're just making discoveries. In India, the East India Company is trying to make gains in southern or eastern parts and slowly work up towards uh, northern part of Punjab. In, in Punjab itself, the Mughal Empire is very strong. That, that dynasty started with uh, Babur at the time of Guru Nanak. They're very fascinating because they're very sort of high IQ level, right? They have appreciation for different things. But at the end of the day, a political leader wants to retain power and they will destroy anything that stands in their way, right? That's like a parallel structure. So the Gurus were perceived threat by most of the Mughal rulers, not all, because there's a parallel power structure that's, that's been created, and it's getting traction. And uh, Oran Zeb the 10th, probably the strongest you can, one might argue Mughal Emperor, he considered sex, and especially Guru Gobind Singh, a threat. But you know what happens is, you know, Aurangzeb, towards the end of his life, he actually his mind changes about Guru Gobind Singh because Guru Gobind Singh wrote him a letter, where he, where after reading that letter, Aurangzeb actually realizes that, that it shakes him actually, uh, and he writes back that I would like to meet you. I'm, I would like forgiveness. But what happened is. Aurangzeb is the emperor, but the gurus, Guru Gobind Patshah, his younger two sons were tortured to death by the governor of Sarhind, which is a town in Punjab. That governor realizes that the emperor Aurangzeb and, and Guru Gobind Singh are getting a little friendly, so he's worried about his himself because he's the one who ordered the, the killings of the Guru Gobind Singh's younger sons. So he sends these two assassins to uh, kill Guru Gobind Padsha, uh, and, and that's how it went down. Once Aurangzeb uh, dies, there, there's a fight between, <laughs> among his, his, his sons, who's gonna be the next emperor. But soon after that, um, um, Guru Gobind Padsha is assassinated. So, and, uh, and then shah basically unleashes uh, this policy of uh, genocide against the Sikhs, and then he dies just a couple of years later, and then Faraksier Emperor, who he's even worse. And and, and it it just continues. Just as Singh Aluvali was born in 1718 in a place called Alu, which is near uh, in central part of Punjab, now falls on the Pakistani side near Lahore. There's boundaries on six head, it's you know, shoot to kill. You get money if you bring back six heads. It's those are the times, basically. You know, there are very few Sikhs and they're living in jungles or in you know in small towns and vicinities. So he he's born into that sort of environment. And basically his father dies when he's four years old. So he's brought up by his mother, who knew how to read Gurmukhi, which is the you know the script. And she would do kirtan, singing religious hymns. So again. This is the time six are, you know, in jungles running for their lives. So whenever there was an opportunity, you know, she would hear oh Khalsa is camped here. She would go and, you know, sing Kirtan. And the Khalsa would love it because most of these guys probably didn't know Kirtan. You know, they were fighting. You know. So for them it was a great opportunity and they didn't quite have the you know the apps on their iphone back then to listen to whenever they wanted to so so it was a great opportunity for them to listen to kirtan and she would carry uh, you know uh ratan singh pangu writes that in her gatra. Gatra is a is a is a strap around your waist or your uh shoulder where you typically carry a kirpan a sword and she would carry a oti, a small writings or you can say Gurbani of religious hymns that's how much she held uh, Gurbani or the Guru's teachings near and dear to her so and and as he got older she would uh, take him with so he learned Kirtan from her he learned Gurmukhi from her he learned how to serve the community through her and when his father died when he was 4 years old she actually moved to delhi the capital of india believe it or not because there was more you know genocide campaigns happening in punjab than in the capital why the capital you might be wondering because wife of guru gobind singh mata sundri was in capital doing service and there he got to know the wife of guru gobind singh who raised him like her own son and they had a very loving relationship. One one actually, also one beautiful thing that happens to him in New Delhi is while he's with Mata Sundri, he actually, he gets great education because you are in the capital there, are, you know, informally, institutions are there. He went to mosque almost daily. And you might be wondering, what is a Sikh going to the mosque? <laughs> Well, he's going there to learn Persian because that is the language of the learning. So he was learning Persian, he learned Urdu, he got to learn what's Hindustani, what today would be called Hindi. Being in the, in the presence of Mata Sundri uh, and in that, uh, in the capital, really gave him the education framework he needed which became pivotal later on in his life. So this was a great thing, I think, for the first, you know, 11 years of his life. I could only, you could, if you can only imagine, you lived first four years, you know, you were hunted, and all of a sudden your father dies, and you all you have is your mother, and she makes a move uh, to come to New, New Delhi. You spoke some Punjabi and all of a sudden now you're learning Hindi and Persian and you're going to mosque. I mean, it it really gave him sort of a a colorful, uh, like a rainbow of experiences early on in his life. I think it's very evident why he was so accepting as an individual, why he valued diversity, yet was very firm in his religious beliefs. Um, but his uncle, you know, you know, who's his mother's brother, wants him to come to Punjab, and mother sort of resists, but finally she caves in, and she seeks the blessing of uh, Mata Sundri, the wife of Guru Gobind Singh, and you know, she gifts him before he leave, leaves for Punjab. She gifts him a sword, she gifts him a dastar, a turban. I mean, I mean, this is a, I mean, there are a lot of you know symbolism here, but there there's a message too. You know, we, we when, when we when we uh, I guess I would su- call out to the me as a parent. You know, when my child turned of age, am I going to give him an iPhone, or am I going to give him something that he's going to be? It's going to have a higher level of meaning, right? Uh, and, and like like the, the the turban, that's the identity. You know, uh, and the poti where the religious writings are. always oh, let's keep them with you. So to me, it's 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 a great. Sort of symbolic gesture that the gifts I think at the end of it tell you about what's more important in life. So when he goes to Punjab, um, again, things are hunted. So his mother takes. She hears one day that you know uh, Kapoor Singh, who's one of the leaders, okay, of the Sikhs, they have assembled and uh, they go there and he does kirtan with his mother, and the the Sikhs. The saints who are uh, taking a break from fighting, they're just amazed. Listening to this guy who's like 12 years old doing this awesome kirtan, Kapoor Singh. At that time, he just approaches the mother and has a conversation and, her, and with her brother that your son is very gifted and uh, he needs to come um, and serve the punt. And uh, and from then on, Jhasa Singh becomes under the mentorship of a uh, uh, of Kapoor Singh and but I want to tell you why Kapoor Singh picked him Kapoor Singh picked him on the basis of this guy does excellent kirtan, okay he, he's 12 years old, he's doing kirtan, he's drenched in the Guru's teachings. So he probably saw some qualities that are rare in a child who can use mentorship. On top of that, he's very well educated. And that's the message for me that you, doesn't matter what you do, but they be damn good at it. I mean, put your 100% in there. Somebody with the right lens will appreciate what you have to offer. And you will be given opportunity to to utilize your talent and for for the rest of the world and that's what happened there. recognized that talent and he tells him that you come and, and join him and Khalsa and the first thing Kapoorison tells him to do is go feed the horses. <laughs>
1: So let's get into Kapur Singh a little bit more, just so for maybe those who are uh, maybe listening to the podcast and aren't quite as familiar with him. Could could you describe just who, who Kapur Singh is at this point in his life?
0: Yeah. So Kapur Singh is one of the leaders. Again, the Sikhs are sort of uh, you know because they're hunted. There's no central. They're usually in the small groups throughout Punjab, uh, uh, attacking, surviving mode. Guerrilla warfare. So Kapur Singh is leader of one of those small group. He is held in high regard by his, the people who follow him. You know, this when he sees him, this is like 1729, and Kapur Singh eventually becomes nawab in 1736. Like seven years later, he becomes the leader of the Sikh nation. Seven years later, uh, though, back in those days, they were they classified Sikhs. The historical texts. Uh, six into two portions. One, who are singhs, singhs that if it's somebody they use the word singh, that means you are there fighting for your life and others' lives. Okay, you're living the jungles. And then there were few also, they call them the uh, singhs. That means those are the people they might be doing agriculture or um, business, but they're also committed six. They're just not fighting on the battlefield. So, they, they have a, they're playing an important role. Those are, though, these are the guys who are make, delivering messages and pr- doing kirtan and providing food and that sort of things. So, Kapoor Singh, by no means a rich guy, he, he's one of the Singhs who are actually battling out there. And he has a small group he's leading. What
1: does Justice Singh's new mentor get him uh, up to with the next few years of his life?
0: So, he tells him the first thing he tells him to do is go feed the the horses but you know he he, he gets uh, uh discouraged at time because he's in punjab his language is not punjabi he's speaking he's actually speaking hindustani or current day you know uh hindi so he's made fun of they call them humko tumko you know that's like uh punjabis make fun of somebody who speaks hindi um, and he gets discouraged but uh, and he goes to kapoor singh and kapoor singh gives him words of wisdom that you're more than your language, and you know multiple languages, you know, you have more to offer. So look beyond. Don't be discouraged by these small, these remarks. You have the potential to be greater than what somebody labels you. And I think from then on, he gets very focused, and he learns weaponry, he learns um, horse riding, um, military training. He continues to learn kirtan. He doesn't give that up, by the way. He continues to do that, but he learns basically uh, art of war and uh, guerrilla warfare. He, 1729 is when he came under mentorship. So his next decade or two is all about training. He's participating in six struggle against the state. Which means there's foreign invaders like Nader Shah from Persia. Um, he's fighting guerrilla warfare. You, know, you can't you can't go head on with these guys. So it's it's like the American Revolution, right, against the British. You can't go against the infantry, man. You just can't. I mean, they got the numbers. So you you take out the captains, you know. You do guerrilla warfare, you, uh, and then you run away. You these skirmishes, and you run and run away into the forest. That's what's happening. And in doing that. He's learning the tactics from Kapoor Singh. He's learning how to be fair at the same time, meaning that if somebody, get, if they loot a treasure, they don't use it for themselves. They give it away to poor people. They buy more weapons from that. This is the sort of training he gets which serves him very well for the remainder of his life. The lifestyle that the, the Gurus gifted the six is with the, of saint soldiers you're always saint first and soldier second. You always had, need to have weapons with you. Uh, if you don't have weapons, then how are you gonna defend yourself? So you're always a soldier, but you're you a saint first. And the reason for being saint first is uh, you had, need to have direction, uh, guidance, how to utilize that sword, or maybe not utilize it at all. Um, so that is the spirit under a sick operates. That's why I think the, when the guidance was there, the six were clear uh, in their mind that even when they got treasure, you know, how to utilize that treasure, you know? Uh, and it's very much indicative of the, their uniform they wore or uh, the sort of, you know, you don't find any jewelry, any description uh, of a sick soldier or anything like that. They carried just a spear, a gun and a shield with them, when they went and, you know, and they had a kashara, which is boxer shorts when they went in the battle. And uh, so it's a very minimal. There's no wealth or worldly treasures. There's your treasure. Basically, the house six operate was the gift of these principles, those teachings that the gurus have given you, which to help you how to operate in this world. What were some of
1: like what was a moment or story that um, became a major point when he was working with this this group
0: yeah I think the, when when you have that um, you know the the lesser Holocaust the chordaka lukara uh, in, in 1746 it, it was ordered by Yaya Khan and implemented by we where basically killed about uh, fifteen thousand six. Uh, about 10,000 of them uh, in on the battlefield and and then the rest of them they captured as they went through towns day after day and have them uh, tortured to death and you know it, it was it was it was a, it was a shock to the six and to the world that how can this happen so fast uh, just a thing is you know, and there's still mentorship of Kapoor Singh, the Baba Kapoor Singh. And he responds, that we're, we're not going to just sit back and relax. And we are going to have, to, we're going to respond. In, that, in, the, in the following year, in 1747, Jasa Singh, Kapoor Singh, along with Tara Singh, um, who's one of the, also one of the captains, you can say, they take control of Amritsar by defeating Salavat Khan. And he earned the respect of his other fellow captains you know, uh, by doing that. And to the point where, you know, the, you know, Ahmed Shah Durrani, who's also called Abdali in 1748, he invades Punjab and Jassassin and other captains, you can say, they cause him harassment. Because his whole idea is, I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna beat up on people, I'm going to, uh, you know, take all the treasures uh, back to uh, Afghanistan, and uh, including slaves, in 1748, as the Sikhs have not just survived this um, this this Holocaust two years earlier, but they, they are they have grown in numbers because they have so many inspired. They have inspired others to become Sikhs. The Sikh population has increased. Uh, so what Kapoor Singh does is Nawab Kapur Singh, he he divides the Sikh nation into. Uh, 11 missiles okay the um, uh, missile is a word that means you know groups and uh, there's a Sarbat Khalsa called which means like as like local Sikh parliament and the, the decision is made that it'll be creation of 11 missiles, 12 if you include the other one. The default missile is called Fulki They have a separate origin. Uh, just so saying Aluvalia becomes the missile dar, the leader. F- formally becomes a leader of this particular missile called the Aluvalia missiles. So you can say 1748 is, is the year when he's officially recognized by the Panth and it becomes the leader of one of the missiles.
1: You've been listening to a special episode of The Sick Cast. Joining me today was Ball Singh sharing the early life of Justice Singh Alawalia. Now, of course, this isn't the end of our story. It, in many ways, is only the beginning. But I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. From what we've heard, there has been a massive event that has happened to the Sikhs, something that will crucially shift how the next chapter of our story will go. But I want us to reflect, how will this one moment shape a whole society going forward? And I mean not just the ones present at the Chotu Chotugallagara, but those who identify as six at the time that weren't there. Many at this point are used to living with some kind of fear or tension, but things have just reached a whole other level, hasn't it? In moments like these, what will the collective remember? What will it do in response to this new reality? We started our episode today talking about the individual. Well, what will happen when things start to change? When well, it's not just about the individual, but the whole. On the next SICK History, thank you for listening.
0: You are listening to SICK CAST by SICK Research Institute, illuminating every pad.